Hey, St. Paul, welcome to episode 26 of Mum and the Rev. Emily's with me and um, I'm with her and she's with me. <laughs> and here we are around this table and we want to uh, tell you how grateful we are that you are joining us today on this podcast. It is episode 26. Wow. So at what point, Emily, do we have to change the series and, you know, maybe this is season two, episode one. I mean, are we just going to keep on going just episode, episode, episode? Or should we have breaking points? I don't know. Do we need to make it more manageable for people? I, I don't know. Because <laughs> there are some, there are lots of podcasts out there that are just like, oh, check out episode 742. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm like, my gosh, that's a lot of talking. But I guess we're well on our way to that. Yeah, well on our way. And we do appreciate you joining us today. Today, Emily is taking the uh, reins and she's going to guide our discussion. Uh, as we mentioned last uh, episode, we don't do as much of studies as discussions and sometimes the discussions <laughs> turn into studies and so thank you for joining us around the table Emily well and as, along that same line my aunt said to me who is a devoted listener she said Emily she said you and John are talking about things and she said what's cool to me is I can actually she said it's not like y'all are just talking about it because you feel like it would be a good topic she said I feel like y'all would be having these discussions whether you were recording or not and I was like you know that's true (laughs) we actually do talk about these things y'all have no idea what we don't record and release (laughs) yeah we've been here around this table for 40 five minutes now and um we, we finally a lot of things. Yeah, we finally said we're, maybe we should just start recording <laughs> so i mean it's it's fun i mean yeah it, that's that's been fun and interesting and it and it was fun to listen to really think and go you know that's true these are things that john and i really do think about <laughs> We do think about things like being in cahoots with God. (laughs) That was the actual word that came up in that episode, too. (laughs) That is, you know, that are things that we do. Um, But anyway, so today I thought it would be so somebody said this. um, John Boyd was saying before the praise band practice um, this week, he said something that really has kind of stuck with me since Wednesday. And I. And I just thought this would be an excellent thing to talk about and an excellent, you know, topic and a reminder even. Um, But he was saying that he was having a conversation with a Greek Orthodox, but he was having this conversation and he said, you know, the Greek Orthodox man said, you Protestants are funny. And John said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you guys say you've been saved like it's over and done with, you've done that. And he said, and that's not how we look at it. And John was like, oh, really? Well, what do you mean? And he was like, well, we view it as we're being saved every day. So it's not a one-time thing. It's something that we are living into and continuing. And, you know, that just really, when John John said that he had really been thinking about it ever since he had that conversation, and then since he said that to us, I've been thinking about it. And the more that I think about it, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that is so true. Because when you look at grace and you look at what we've been given, we need grace more than one time because we're not perfect. 
we aren't, even though we have our salvation, even though that's been given, even though Jesus has come and died and rose again and defeated death and has redeemed us, has come through for us and sits at the right hand of God the Father and intercedes on our behalf, even though that's all been done and he doesn't have to do it again, we still need that act every single day because it redeems us, but it does not make us perfect. We aren't ready. <laughs> We're not those things. You know, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, if you just think about it, most of our idea of grace is a mile wide and an inch deep. Right. When we think about grace, we, we think about the moment of salvation of Jesus dying on the cross and we are justified. And there is some, there is a lot of truth to that, Yeah. but it's not what that, that's not the time that we hang up our grace collecting bucket yeah. or a grace viewing lens that we can see grace around us and say, yes, that happened in the past that, that I am saved by grace. Mm-hmm. It is not a work of me. It is a soul work of God, right? That is grace. But as Dallas Willard said, Christians drink grace or need grace even after justification, like a 747 needs fuel on takeoff. Yeah. And we don't realize it. No. We, We don't live into that moment that, yes, we might be already in the family, Right. Right. Now we are starting to live in the reality of what does this mean for me now, right in this moment? Yeah. And we have such a limited view of that. Well, because we don't get to it's not like we stop. It's not like we I mean, and, and what keeps coming to mind is what is it in Lamentations? Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Yeah. Lamentations 323, new mercies I see, the refreshing. Yes. Your great is thy faithfulness. Yes. And that renewing of our mind and, and putting on the things of God and, you know, taking off our old self and putting on our new self. But that's something that is done daily. Right. It's not a once and, and done kind of thing because we are not. And the difference and, and looking at that in that contrast of Jesus died on the cross once for all. Right. Replacing the idea of the blood of bulls and goats and, and those sacrifices that the, those priests made yearly. He's better than that. So he only had to do it once. It's not like Jesus has to keep coming back to earth and keep living and dying and rising, <laughs> living, die, rise, live, live, die, rise. It's not a continuing process for him, but it is for us. So we were talking about grammar a little bit earlier, and there are some grammatical words that we use that have the idea of something that happens in the past and it stops in the past. Mm. Uh, I rode my bike last Tuesday. So yeah, last Tuesday I rode my bike and there was a time that it started and stopped. There are other things that happened in the past, but the effects of that are still, I'm still living into today. Like 
I ate breakfast this morning. So if you say, hey, John, um, have you had lunch or do you want to get some lunch together? I might say, no, I had a late breakfast. Well, what am I saying? I'm still living into the effects <laughs> of what I ate just a few minutes ago. Yeah. So when it comes to Jesus dying on the cross, yes, that was a one-time event. It's all that was needed. But humanity has been invited to live into the effect of this. And it does not happen automatically. You you quoted Paul in Romans 12 too, by the renewing of our mind. Mm. That's an intentional, deliberate act we make. Yeah. We make an effort when Jesus says to his disciples, you want to be my disciple? You need to daily deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. Why? Right. Why? Because it is something that will be truly forgotten if we don't make well, that. And Joshua, didn't Joshua say, choose you this day who you will serve? Yeah. And because my uncle Chris said this a couple of weeks ago to, or a month or so ago, he was saying that his favorite verse in the Bible is that choose you this day who you will serve because he goes every morning when I wake up, I can say that verse and I can go, okay. I'm going to choose today who I serve. I'm going to choose the Lord. And it has to be a daily thing. And gosh, what what if we did that? <laughs> what if we actually put that into, into practice? Because all of the things that are going on in the world today, there's always a crisis. There's always a hurt. There's always a bad day. There's always something that's... In our culture of, we're such rubberneckers where we want to drive by the car wreck and stop and look at all the carnage. Um, and God, why are we like that? <laughs> but that we need that every, that daily reminder that every morning we need to be able to say, we need to do this for ourselves, not only for our salvation and our spiritual lives, but just for our well-being to wake up every day and say, who am I going to serve today? And who am I going to look at today? Who am I going to follow? Where is my hope going to come from? Where is my joy going to come from? I can't get bogged down in all this worldly mess and the flesh of humanity. I can't I have got to look at something else. I've got to focus and be led by something that is greater than those things. You know, what's significant about this that hits me from what you're saying is if we don't choose anything, something will inevitably that day choose us. Yeah. It could be our calendar. It could be something that uh, that we're waiting for a response from a doctor, that phone call, that anticipate. If we're choosing, if we do not make a choice to choose as your Uncle Chris does, is that right? Uncle, yes, yeah. Uncle Chris. As your Uncle Chris does, like Joshua did, something will inevitably choose us. Yeah. And it will drive us and we won't know why. Yeah. You know, when Joshua said, you know, whether it is this, whether it is that, or whether it is Yahweh, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will choose to serve the Lord. And the interesting thing there about that grammar, we talk about grammar in the Hebrew, that grammar meant I have chosen, I am choosing, and I will continue to choose. Wow. This is something that is... 
outside of time and space. It is right. a new reality of who I am. Well, and you preached on this a couple weeks ago, um, and that choosing obedience and right. the opportunity we have to choose to do that. And, you know, non-Christians and, and people against, and the, the Satan <laughs> wants people to think that humans have no, in relationship to God, we have no choice that he is a dictator, that he is not a kind and benevolent God, that that Christianity is just going to be a list of rules, a list of don't do that and do do this, and this is what it has to be. But we get the ultimate choice. We get to choose to be obedient. And, and I mean, it's like in Revelation when when— the message is being given to the churches when they're saying you, I can't remember which church it is. It says you are neither hot nor cold. You have not chosen. They did not choose. Right. They're living in that in between where they're like, Oh, I could go either way. (laughs) I could go either way on this. I don't know where I stand or where I'm going to live. I don't know who I'm choosing to serve today. And God says, I don't care. And just like with the with Elijah that we've talked about, with who are you going to worship? You either worship me or you worship these gods, but make a decision who you're going to worship. That's right. In that first Kings 19 passage, it was, will you stop limping yeah. between Baal and the Lord? Make a choice. Yeah. I don't think it's by accident that the best illustration that scripture gives about being a part of the family of God, you were mentioning about the rules and stuff like that. And, and people who from the outside think that Christianity is all about the rules and and all about doing this and not doing that. A bunch of lists of you have to do this and you can't do that. That is so plagued with unfortunate results. I mean, that that's a misunderstanding of what it's about. And and let me prove to those who are listening why I think I'm right in this. Because throughout scripture, the idea of, of being a Christian is likened to being the family of God, right? right? Now, when our son was born, he became a few before he knew how to act like a few. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he became a few. He got our last name. He was a, uh, the birth certificate. He didn't get a, he didn't become a few because of the birth certificate. He got a birth certificate because he became a few. Okay. Right, yeah. So y- y- there was this moment in time that he became a part of our family. He didn't have to do anything. I mean, it was just boom, part of our family. All right. Yeah. He didn't earn it. I didn't choose him. He didn't choose us. You know, it's just, <laughs> this is, we're stuck. This is where we are. I'm this is where we are. You. Yeah. <laughs> As I think about that, the last 21 years that God has shared him with us, I, I think about, you know, the process of him learning about what it's like to be a few, what his, what the expectations are, some of the things that he has pushed back on, some of the things, most of the things he has ignored probably, I don't know. But the fact of the matter still remains is I haven't written him off because he didn't keep the rules, right. but I have continued to pursue him because he has my name. Wow. Because he's an image bearer of you. Yeah. And so here we are as Christians. If we could just reframe our idea of Christianity and what it means to be a part of the family of God, 
it is not about you or me keeping a list of rules. Yeah, that might be the loving response. That might be what it means for my son to take out the garbage. That might be what it looks like to be a part of Team Few or the family of the Fews. But that's not what brought him into the family. We're right. brought into the family of God through the the act of God through his son and the work on the cross and the resurrection. I mean, that's what brings us into the family of God. Then we start learning. This is the idea of being saved. This is it's not that we need to be saved and earn our salvation. No, this goes towards the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. This is where we start pursuing that our heart starts to beat like God's heart. Mm-hmm. But that comes with time. That comes with experience. And that comes not with a God that's shaking his finger at us and yeah. saying, I'm so disappointed or that's it. You've you've used up all my grace or whatnot. The idea is, is that we start living like we are a part of the family of God, right? Right. And, and that reminds me of Jonah. And we all know the story. Jonah was sent by God to go to Nineveh to tell him to repent or he was going to destroy the city. And Jonah said, no, not doing it. He completely ignored God and tried to go in the opposite direction. And that's when he ended up in the belly of of a fish. And then while he was in that belly, you know, Jonah repented and said, I'm sorry, I should have. I am. This is wrong. After spending three days (laughs) in the stomach or wherever it was (laughs) of this gigantic fish, Jonah finally says, all right, all right, I may have made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) And so the fish spits him up on dry land for Jonah to try again. And so when that happens, God says, okay, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them to repent. Again, God's message did not change. He didn't go, you know, I think this might be too big of a task for you. Let's do something else. He gave him the same message to go. And when Jonah gets there, sure enough, he goes into Nineveh and he starts preaching and the people start repenting. They start turning. And the king Even the king of Nineveh says, everyone must put on sackcloth. We will not eat or drink, not any of the animals, nothing. We will not do this. And maybe if we all pray urgently, God might relent and show compassion to us. And that relent, when I was reading that verse in Jonah 3, 9 and 10, I thought, well, what does that mean? What does the word relent mean? You know, has God got his boot on our neck? Has he got, you know, just pouring out the jug full measure, not just a trickle, not a a measurable amount, or is he just dumping buckets? And something that Tony Evans had in his commentary was that when God relents, it's not that we've changed his mind. It's not that we've brought him around to our, okay, it's not, let me pray for for deliverance. Let me pray that, Lord, please spare us. Please spare us. It's not like God goes, "Mm, okay, fine. You've, I've changed my mind. You're right. I'm going to let you live. But Tony Evans used this phrase of holy standard, that God has a holy standard 
And when he relents, it's because we have made a change. It's because we have repented and come back. It's because we've said, oh my gosh, you're right. So it didn't change. The message didn't change. The message didn't change. Nothing about God and his message changed, but the people changed. And that was the whole thing for Jonah. He knew. And he says, as he tells them and he sees that they're repenting, he stomps out (laughs) of the city and sits and waits for them to change their mind and the city to be destroyed. And God is like, why are you angry? (laughs) And Jonah says, because I knew that you were a compassionate God. And if they repented, that you wouldn't give them judgment and they deserve judgment. So even in Jonah's disobedience of, I'm not doing this, I'm not bringing them this message, his excuse, and God says, why? His excuse is, because I knew that what you said is true. I knew they'd get everything they wanted. Yes. I knew that they would get this grace and compassion. That it would be allowed for them because they were doing what you asked. Because they are changing their standard and coming and making it aligned with yours and not what they were doing. So this idea that we change, we don't change God's mind, but we continue living. God continues being God. And day by day, because of we have this grace, because we are constantly being saved. And because we're constantly choosing each day. Yes, to serve. Who are we going to serve? We have that opportunity each day to change our own course, to come back in line with the Lord, to come back into his holy standard. It's not like you're you're done. You failed the class. You're going to be over. It's not like, and you were saying, you know, part of that conversation that we had 45 minutes before we hit record, you know, you got to complete the grades. You got to level up. Everybody right now is level up, level up. What's that song? I, I can't even sing it, but it's like level up, level up. <laughs> There's all these TikToks and whatnot about it. Um, but it's all about, okay, progress to the next level. You go first grade, you're done. Second grade, you're done. And I thought about, you know, it's like in the Methodist church going through and the Catholic church too. I don't know what other denominations do this confirmation process. But when our sixth graders, when the 12 and 13 year old, 13 year olds are in Catholic school. So seventh graders for for Catholics. And I know that because my children got a Catholic school. <laughs> um, I, I have never been a Catholic before. I'm just going off my, my Catholic school education. But it's not like that's it. And sometimes we behave like, oh, well, I've already done that. I was confirmed when I was 12, so I don't, I don't need to go to any more Sunday school. I don't, I don't need to do any more service projects. I don't need to do, you know, any more worship or any more studying. I've, I've, right. I I've had that, that year. Off. Yeah, I had that I've year. I took that off my to-do list. Yeah, I've done that. So, and unfortunately, that's the message that we give about that process, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, it really is unfortunate. But think of other areas of our lives where something about us is actually carried through to other areas of our lives. For instance, my marriage to my wife. I mean, that is who I am. I am 
a husband, I am a father, all those kind of different things. But those those kind of carry through to different areas. I can't just leave the home and say, okay, I'm not married. I mean, yeah. this, or I'm not a dad or I'm not a brother. I mean, our family relationships, those are things that we carry, whether we wow. embrace them or not. Yeah. But sometimes we do this with our Christianity that it's, we look at it as if it's separate. And there are times that we do this, like when I go to my uh, daughter's school, I am Katie's dad. Yeah. And if I'm here at the church, I am Pastor John, one of the ministers. If I'm out on the ball field, I am John's dad. I take on a persona of of that event, but there are certain things that are not like that. Christianity, our faith, what God has done through the work of Christ on the cross, the resurrection that gives us that grace to have entrance into the kingdom, we are not a Christian, mark it off, brother, mark it off student, mark it off, employer, employee. No, we are a Christian brother. We are a Christian athlete. We are a Christian. So this is one of those, those characteristics of who we are that is carried through to everything else we do. And it cannot be siloed, compartmentalized. It's, we've got to poke holes in that wall that allow it to shine through. And what your uncle Chris said, I mean, what a great thing to do to wake up every morning and say like Joshua, I will choose this day to serve God. What would it mean if we said that each morning or when we walked into the office or we walked into the department store or we walked into our homes, I'm going to choose to serve God. That's a great question to ask when we get into situations not just even in the beginning of your day, but when you get into situations of when you're overwhelmed, when you're angry, when you're upset, when you're just grief stricken, who am I going to serve in this moment? Who am I going, am I going to throw in the towel and give up? Because like you're saying, once you leave your house in the morning, it does not negate the fact that you're still a husband and a father. That's right. You're still that all day long. Absolutely. And we have to, you got to remember that. (laughs) Yeah. You got to remember, you got to come back home to Lisa. (laughs) Yeah. And and, and think about the trouble that people get themselves into when they choose to forget that. Yeah. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are doing that every day. If we don't remember, we're part of a family. Right. I mean, and just look at, just look at the church in general. I mean, I have read more lately of people who were hurt by the church or shunned by the church about a pastor that has that has done something wrong. And so we have written the church off because like the church in general, not just one church, every church, the body of Christ, they are being written off because of decisions that were made and actions that were taken that didn't necessarily embody who God is and the holy standard that he has set up so that we are saying when we wake up, we're not choosing to follow the Lord in this. I'm not choosing because I'm going to behave in this manner. I'm actually 
because I didn't start out saying, who am I going to serve in this instance? Who is it going to look like I'm serving? What the statement we've made and how we've turned other people away from the very message we're trying to convey. It's so important for us to take into account every day. It's not just a personal. I mean, it is a personal thing, but it doesn't just affect you. It potentially affects everyone you come in contact with, whether it's just nodding at somebody, whether it's choosing to get irritated and say something snarky in the grocery store line, whether you're in traffic You know, what's interesting to what you're saying is even in the midst of the life of Jonah, that God still had grace for not only the people of Nineveh, but even for Jonah, who was supposed to be that bearer of good news. Look, we live in a broken world. We do. Yeah. God chooses to use the corporate church worldwide to be the vehicle, the instrument that is used to bring his message, to proclaim the gospel. Mm-hmm. It is what survives. Yeah. We talk about the bride of Christ as being the church awaiting that time that the groom comes, that second coming. Mm-hmm. And it's that church. We are the church. It's not the individual church. And even in the midst of the brokenness of even churches and Christians, we still have that grace of God that floods our brokenness, that overshadows, that that good has been done, good will be done. Well, and Jesus says, you know, you've been forgiven. You have to forgive others or you won't be. If you can't forgive people, then you won't be forgiven either. You have to do these things. And this author that I was reading, Todd Wilson, the book is Zealous for Good Works. He's talking about this grace. And he said, because you have this grace, that should be your motivation to show grace. Because if you haven't and you understand what that means, that should be the motivation to say, because I have grace here. I'm going to show you grace. Mm. I don't agree with you. I don't like what you're saying. In fact, I am vehemently opposed to everything you stand for. But I've been shown grace. The least I can do is to just show you some grace. And maybe that means just keep your mouth shut and move on. (laughs) Just go on about your business and let it go. Because we can't... We can't save anybody. John, we've had that We've had that conversation, you know, so many times. It's not our job to save anyone else. So what is our job? Our job is to live up to the holy standard that God has set before us. And point to Christ. To glorify him, him. Glorify him and be that light. That when people see us, they go, huh, there's something different about you. What is it? It's the joy of the Lord. It's the grace that I have been given. I want to repay the favor. And I repay because we repay. That's the cool thing. We repay God 
for this gift by showing it to other people. It's not exclusive. No. It's not a only, you know, I have it. I don't know if you'll be invited to this party. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the invitation. All you got to do is RSVP. Just tell us that you're coming. Let us know. Regrets only. No, you just got to do it. Could any of your four boys repay you? For their lifetime, for yeah, the absolutely love. not. No, <laughs> right now, if you tell one of your sons that, they'll never understand that. Uh-uh. But I'm sure if my someone told me that, or any of our my brothers that growing up, I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah, sure. But they, my parents, they don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. Now here I am as a parent. Never thought it would. I mean, I never thought what my mom and dad told me was going to be true. Right. You know, and here. I hate it when that happens. I know. And here, you know, I'm, I'm looking. You're, I can't repay them. Yeah. I can't repay them. I just had this conversation with my oldest child. He said, you don't, you don't care about me. You don't love me. And I was like, you are so crazy because if I, it's because I love you <laughs> that we are saying you have to do this, buddy. You have to do this. You can't. If I didn't care, I'd let you do whatever you wanted to. I'd let you, you know, don't do any homework. Don't ever go to school. It's fine. You don't have to shower. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to brush your teeth. If I didn't care about him, I'd let all his teeth rot out. <laughs> and he'd be toothless. And then what would happen? <laughs> Guess what? I wouldn't care about him then either, right? <laughs> if you had cared about me, you would have told me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can't, you can't win. No. I think this is, this is the message of, of what your Uncle Chris was talking about. I think this is the message of being saved. I think this is the message of the renewing of our mind. I think this is the message of that that Lamentations passage that that new mercies are, the mercies are new every morning. They're refreshing every morning. It's not like God is reusing old grace and mercies. It's new. There's new every morning. And when we wake up and we bring ourselves to that place where like Joshua we actually say, I'm going to choose. Because if we're honest with ourselves, if we don't choose, something or someone else will choose for us. And the ultimate goal is not to bend God's kingdom to our kingdom. Right. The ultimate goal is our kingdom to bend to God's kingdom. And people and churches and organizations have bent as much as they can and distorted God's kingdom. But the fact of the matter is, it's not what we think and it's totally outside of what we can comprehend or desire. We see that all the way through scripture Mm -hmm. about Jesus coming and the kingdom of God at hand and everybody misunderstood what it, we want to make it what is ours. Jonah wanted the kingdom to be about, hey, they're outside, they're outsiders. Mm -hmm. Let's, our understanding of the kingdom of God is brimstone and fire. Right. So give them God, I'm going to get a front row seat and I want to watch. But that's not it. The kingdom of God from Old Testament through the New Testament, and we're living in the Easter period right now, is about God graciously, lovingly giving us opportunities to receive grace and mercy. Amen. We have the opportunity for him to relent. Relent. When we change. Mm -hmm. 
I do want to thank you for joining us today. Whether you're joining us on Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, or on our website, or even iTunes, what we pray is that God would take what is from him, that it would weave into the very fabric of who we are and remind us that remind us of God's love for us, his mercy. Maybe we need just a new picture in our mind of what God is, is like. Maybe for years we've been told that God is this dictator, this unruly king that is just out to get us. But that's not what the scriptures say. If for just a moment you would open up your heart and your mind to think and believe and at least take a step toward or lean into, maybe this is not the way God is. Maybe he is loving. Maybe he is gracious. Maybe just taking that little step towards that would bring you closer to the reality that you are given the opportunity to become a part of the family of God. Certainly, we would love to walk alongside of you if you have any questions or if you'd like to discuss it further. You can reach us by email at podcast at spumccolumbus.com. Thank you once again for joining us and may God hold you in the palm of his hand and remind you that you are his and he is yours. Amen.